Welcome back to another episode of the Bill Bartonwell Show. I am Bill Bartonwell, and today I'll be joined by CBS's Will Brinson to break down the AFC offseasons and what each team in the AFC might have left missing on their roster, plus the signing of one Tim Tebow. But before I get into that and into today's show, I wanted to quickly tell you about another ESPN podcast you may have heard of before. It's The Right Time with Bomani Jones, hosted, of course, by the excellent Bomani Jones. Guys, this podcast has everything you're looking for. Hot takes, meaningful discussion, and great guests, including our friend Dominique Foxworth. And if you're like me, once a week isn't enough. Bomani has added a third show three times a week. You can listen to The Right Time with Bomani Jones. So make sure you're listening. Make sure you're downloading and following The Right Time with Bomani Jones wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there is no competition. And right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a Jets Pizza location near you. Again, try Jets Signature 8-Corner Pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza, better because it has to be. And without further ado, here's Will Brinson to talk about the AFC. All right, joining me now as promised here on the Bill Barnwell Show, a regular contributor to the podcast, a great friend of the show, a friend of mine, an excellent podcaster, a man who is the king of the emergency podcast. It's CBS's Will Brinson. Will, what's up? Bill, what's going on, man? We uh, we made it through the draft. We now get the schedule later than ever, which is clearly by design. That's fine. Capture the American hearts and, and spirits with the release of games that we already knew would be played. <laughs> and then we can uh, saunter into the offseason for what might Kind of might be a quasi normal regular season, but I'm sure will be quite insane as usual. Well, just in case uh, the schedule release coming up was not enough news for you, Will, we have breaking news <laughs> as we start the podcast taping today. According to NFL Network's Ian Rappaport, the Jaguars, the Jacksonville Jaguars, are planning to sign quarterback turned tight end Tim Tebow to a one year deal per Ian and Tom Pelissero. Nothing's done yet, but he will have a chance to make the team to reunite with his mentor and college head coach, Urban Meyer. We thought we were done with Tim Tebow a decade ago, and he somehow, you can't kill Tim Tebow. He's back. I don't get it. Like, is this just four clicks? Like, I, I, I don't like clickbait. This feels like clickbait to me. Yeah, it's either clickbait or Urban is throwing his boy a bone. And there was nobody else left who would bring him to the NFL. Urban had used up all the other favors, you know, with Belichick and, and Chip Kelly. And 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 he said, you know what? Tebow's my guy. I'm going to throw him a bone. You know, fortunately for us, Bill, we we're going to talk about, you know, AFC teams and, and gaping holes. I, you know, the only thing I had left for the Jaguars was tight end. And he, um, I know. <laughs> and now, good to go. The Jaguars 2021 Super Bowl champions. Okay. So let's be realistic here. What are the chances week one that Tim Tebow was on the active roster for the Jacksonville Jaguars? Mm. Give me a percentage. I will say, and this is probably higher than what you would expect me to say, but I will say 33.3. Wow. I was going to say 10. So you're correct. It was higher than me, but you're an, you're an optimistic man. I feel like didn't see that coming. You know, I just feel like Urban Meyer is going to try and force this. Mm-hmm. And there's also the component, too, where this benefits Shad Khan. I mean, you know, this team is in Jacksonville and, you know, which is basically Gainesville, which is Florida Gators country. I mean, my, you know, my grandfather is a huge Florida. They lived in Jacksonville, huge Gators guy and a huge Jaguars guy. So it should be, you know, if you can get Tebow involved. And you can have Tebow be part of your team culture, which I think everyone would agree he's a, a good person. You know, some, sure. that's a that's a benefit. Um, maybe a little too rah-rah, but I, I can't imagine that a young team couldn't benefit from you know, whatever culture he can bring and sort of mm-hmm. translating Urban Meyer's system and Urban Meyer's approach to these younger players. And then if he happens to catch a touchdown pass from Trevor Lawrence in week one on a one-yard little out route or something like mm-hmm. that, you know, or a tight end stick or something like that, then 
Jaguars fans will go wild. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm definitely getting a text from my aunt Susan about this. She's like, did you see we signed Diva? And, and it's like, and and she's an FSU fan. So she doesn't care quite as much, but people down there will be, I think kind of amped about it, even though from 30,000 feet, it feels like kind of a, a joke. I mean, in, in a, not in a good way either. Sure. But like, this is an impressive athlete. I don't think you can argue that Tim Tebow is not a, you know, a, a really impressive athlete. Now, granted, that doesn't make him an NFL quarterback, but I mean, we've seen Taysom Hill succeed in New Orleans. I don't think Tim Tebow's game is all that much different from Taysom Hill. Granted, he's now playing tight end, which is not what Taysom Hill plays, but you know, it, it, it's such a, it, it would be an incredible accomplishment if he does sure. pull it off. And I don't think it's going to matter all that much. I think you will probably not be able to pull it off. I mean, Logan Thomas has done this successfully, but it took him like four years to get there, uh, you know, in a bunch of different teams to transition from being a quarterback at the college level and briefly at the NFL level to being an NFL tight end. But I mean, Tebow doesn't have much to lose. I mean, he's done with his baseball career, it seems like. Uh, I don't think he has been catching play. balls for the past 10 years or That's whatever. True. That's you know true. I mean, smaller balls and, and, and hit, you know, with a, you know, not thrown by a human hand most of the time, I guess, but I mean, you know, it, I guess it kind of translates relative to something like bowling or something. I don't know. We will find out. I, I think it would be cool to see Tim Tebow throw a touchdown pass on a trick play to Trevor Lawrence, but I understand if other people may not feel the same way. I think Jaguars fans are down for it. So yes, that, that, and don't think that doesn't play a factor. Tim Tebow may have also gone to Urban and said, "Listen, I'm going to write the tell-all book about the 2004 <laughs> the 2004, I guess, Jaguars. I mean, the 2004 Gators. Unless you unless you give me a shot at, at, a, at a deal in training camp, unless you get me a training camp gig, uh, that's fair. That, then you know what? Tim Tebow should be playing all those cards. This is the time to try and blackmail uh, former coaches, uh, from what I understand. So as Will said. Uh, like we did last week in the NFC with Robert Mays. We're going to go team by team in the AFC here and talk about the holes that might be left on their roster um, after the end of free agency. And of course, after the end of the recent NFL draft, and we'll start in the AFC South because we just talked about the Jags tight end was going to be my selection as well. Um, but then we move around this division. Let's talk about the Colts here. Another team that had a gaping hole in position, but then maybe on Monday seemed to fill that spot. Yeah. When you, asked me before the show you said did you hear about the breaking news I like, yes of course bill i saw that the colts signed eric fisher that was like you know 30 minutes ago or something but that's what <laughs> that was what i assumed you referred to unless there was some catastrophic you know uh, you know rocket landing in the middle of the weekend somewhere <laughs> uh, which i think several of my friends thought they saw at any rate mm. when i look at the colts I, I think you could do the same thing with the jaguars that you or do the same thing with the Colts that you do with the Jaguars before this breaking news happened on Monday morning, you would have said tight end is the position with the Jaguars. I would have agreed. I still think it's the position because I don't think Tim Tebow necessarily fills it. And as yes. for the Colts, a left tackle was obviously the, the biggest hole on this roster. And while Eric Fisher fills it in name and in headline, he's coming off an Achilles injury. And I don't know that he necessarily can be guaranteed to fill it uh, in terms of production, what they expected from him. I mean, he, this is a guy who was released by another AFC contender, mm-hmm. a team that's been to the AFC championship game three straight years and the Super Bowl two straight years, and a team that got blasted uh, in terms of its protection at, at the tackle positions during said Super Bowl. So if anyone, you know, to me, the idea that the if the Chiefs don't think Eric Fisher can be back in time for the start of the season and, and their moves suggest that they don't think that, then I still have questions about the position as it relates to the Colts. Absolutely. And I mean, it'd be one thing if there was a very stable force at quarterback here, but with Carson Wentz, I think so much of what the Colts are going to have him do is sort of unlearn the bad habits we saw from him last year in Indian, or sorry, in Philadelphia. And now that he's in Indianapolis, the hope was, okay, better offensive line is going to protect him. He's going to get back to being the guy he was at the very least in 2018 and 2019. But you know, the first, if the first month of the year has Sam Tevy at left tackle, that's not going to encourage Carson Wentz to get into good habits. And I think it's going to be tougher to sort of change those habits in the middle of a season once you get Eric Fisher on board. And if on top of that, that's assuming that Eric Fisher is still going to be the guy he was before the Achilles tear, which I hope he is. Obviously, he was a very talented left tackle before the injury, but that's a tough one. I mean, this is an injury he suffered in the AFC, the AFC championship game. It's like he's had a full year to recover. He's going to be coming back after about nine or 10 months. So, um, you know, I, I, it's a step in the right direction, but,
but I, I think I'd feel a lot better if they had signed Russell Lacoon than if they had signed Eric Fisher, which is what they've done this morning. Or, you know, even go out and sign, I mean, draft, I mean, draft somebody, you know, or, yeah. or somebody. And, and they admitted that the, Chris Ballard said that they didn't feel as if, and, and Trent Williams is the other guy that they were in on, right? Yeah. You know, so that, that would have been, if they had Trent Williams instead of Sam, Trent Williams instead of Sam Tevy and Eric Fisher, you'd feel a lot better about it, clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, Ballard said that there wasn't somebody when they were selecting that they believed was a top-end talent at left tackle. They ended up going to Pay, the, the edge rusher. And that was another big need, too. I mean, oh, that, yeah. Ed, edge rusher is, is certainly a problem for this team. So I, I don't begrudge him at all. And I think Chris Ballard, more than really most GMs out there, has been exceptionally smart and exceptionally good about balancing need versus, um, you know, need versus value in the draft mm-hmm. and at not chasing needs in free agency just because you have a bunch of money that mm-hmm. that seems to be he is he's very frugal and not in a cheap way he's just not gonna well this isn't working let's go spend a billion dollars on on this and hope it works mm-hmm. out that's how that's not how good teams operate now we can certainly question the situation there at, at left tackle and i think it is it's worth questioning mm-hmm. um but you know I, I give them credit for sticking to their board in that case and not overdrafting somebody at left tackle that they didn't think would be the, the answer yeah. And I mean, it's tough for them to also make a big trade where they move up because, you know, didn't have their first round pick last year as part of the DeForest Buckner trade, uh, lost a couple picks as part of a trade for Carson Wentz. So, I mean, those were moves they needed to make. And I think they'll be happy with Carson Wentz. They're certainly happy with DeForest Buckner, but, um, you know, it's sort of whack-a-mole here where it's okay. What can we fill? What can't we fill? And um, Fisher's going to help, but I don't know that he's a permanent solution. Now, you mentioned teams who operate the right way, operate the wrong way. Teams who maybe sell out to try and fill a hole on their roster. Well, that described the Bill O'Brien Houston Texans. Bill O'Brien is gone. It's Nick Casario running things now. They signed about 8 million players this offseason. But is there a spot on their roster you didn't think they appropriately addressed? Oh, I just wrote. So I went through and wrote down uh, what I thought was the biggest hole for every single team. That's yeah. fine. Colts was left tackle. Is still left tackle. Yes. Texans. I wrote, yes. <laughs> there are holes everywhere here. Uh, yeah, I guess you could say that Larry Mutunsel is is not a, a hole. I mean, they've they've pumped a ton of resources into the offensive line. You know, yep. Max Sharping, a second round pick in 2019, Titus Howard, a first round pick in 2019, yep. Larry Mutunsel, a first round pick in 2020, 2021, 2022. <laughs> and you know, if Deshaun Watson is back on the field, then the quarterback situation is not a problem. I think running back, they have, they have, oh my goodness, what a 2014 uh, fantasy football team. This would be with David Johnson, Mark Ingram, and Philip Lindsay. Mm-hmm. I don't think the wide receiver, I think wide receivers are a problem. Yep. And I think pretty much everything on defense is a problem. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think I, I had defensive line here as the biggest weakness. They've added guys like Derek Rivers this offseason. Um, but still, I mean, Emily Collins, but this is still a major work in progress. I mean, Ross Blacklock was not exactly impressive during his rookie season. Um, they lose JJ Watt, of course. Um, you know, I, I think that they're sort of locked into some pieces they probably don't want, and I'm not going to fault them too much for that because they're already stuck with those moves from the O'Brien era. Like, I don't think they probably want to have Randall Cobb at slot receiver, but you're kind of the contract doesn't give you a choice. Um, you know, they made a lot of moves this year. I think to improve their depth, I think they want to be a deep football team, but they definitely are lacking a lot of star power. Now they were two years ago, all stars and no depth. Now they're like no stars, all depth, but um, <laughs> which is weird, right. but like definitely holes, I think on defensive line, I think at corner, even though they did have Terrence Mitchell and who else did they have this year? Terrence Mitchell and Desmond King, um, both of whom are, are solid corners, but I think still questions at cornerback questions at safety outside of Justin Reed. Um, you know, just, just, this is a team that is in transition. And if this I think- defense was, if this defense was top half of the league at the end of next season, then um, David Cully deserves coach of the year. That's, that's <laughs> or Lovey Smith. Uh, Levy Smith deserves, you know, assistant of the year. Oh, and I you, forget. and you know, Lovey also, one of the things that he said this off season, that I think is a big red flag was pointed out how at Illinois, he was coaching there. They maybe you even tweeted you even tweeted this out. I think I, I believe I did. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, then I'm, I don't need to explain it to you. But I, I thought it was a very salient point because Lovey Smith said we can't play nickel. 
how are we going to play nickel? We just got to be in our base all the time. We, it should be fine going back to the NFL in 2021, Lovey, with a stripped down Texans defensive unit. Yeah. I mean, you know, like I, I coaches are smart. I don't want to just be like, oh, coaches are dumb and I'm a genius. I'm not. But it would seem like if you have a base defense and it's getting shredded by teams running out three hard receivers on you, one solution might be to take a defensive back off the bench and put him on the field and play nickel. But what do I know? I'm not uh, an NFL coach. By, by the way, this team, the so Texans, their, their, their win total currently four and a half under is juiced minus 135. I would go over four and a half. I'm not going to lie. The, but, but, but I've, I've seen some places just three and a half, 17 game season, Bill, three Se- and a half or four Se- and a half. Whatever. 17 game season with nine home games. Yeah. And it's a four and a half over under. And, it, and they're expecting, I would go over too, because your bad teams win five games all the time by accident. They right? do, but that's not going to be a fun five games to see them win. Or like, you're sweating it. Buddy. You're every, every week. It doesn't matter what the score is. Yeah. Get to the fourth quarter. You're just like, oh no, just <laughs> right. holding on to the couch for dear life. I've, I've had some of those over three and a half, over four and a half bets where I have felt that way all year. Um, and I felt I would do with Texans, but I would probably take the over there if I had to pick a side. Um, the, the best team in this division, maybe Tennessee, um, certainly changes here. A lot of moves on defense to try and refigure this defense, of course, a couple of years ago or last year, actually, I think they were the most expensive secondary in football. Now, a lot of investment up front. But Will, did you feel like there was a spot that they still have as a hole on their roster after the offseason? Yeah, I included pass rush on here, Bill, but I also think it's worth including wide receiver. Mm-hmm. AJ Brown is a top 10 wide receiver. I think that's easy to yeah. say. Yeah. I was going to say top five, but that's probably a stretch. He's one of my, he's one of my top, my five top favorite wide receivers in football. He's a beast. He's a uh, certified, a C G A M certified grown ass man. <laughs> and I think he could see 200 targets this year, which would be wild around him though. Even at pass catcher, you don't even, you know, doesn't have to just be wide receiver. Mm-hmm. I mean, Anthony Ferkser, and Jeff Swaim at tight end. And then Josh Reynolds is going to be their number two. That's a, that's a major red flag. If, I mean, if really anything happens to AJ Brown and he gets dinged up and I, I don't think that'll happen, but mm-hmm. goodness gracious, they are then at wide receiver after him. Yeah. I mean, I think really they're stars. Like you lose AJ Brown. They have the worst wide receiver core in football. You lose Ryan yeah. Tannehill. They have Logan Woodside and Deshaun Kaiser, a backup quarterback. You lose Derrick Henry you're looking at Darrington Evans as your primary running back. I mean, it's just not a, a deep football team on offense. And if all your stars stay healthy, great. You're going to look really good. And they've been healthy mostly over the past couple of years, but it's just a very dangerous is, uh, is roster it, construction. I mean, I, the more I look at it, the more I sort of wonder if the Jaguars aren't kind of live at nine to one to win this division. Uh, I will tell you all that they used to be like 13 to one and somebody was very interested in the Jaguars at 13 to one limited division. I believe if I'm not mistaken, I went on ESPN.com earlier this year and predicted that the Jacksonville Jaguars would win Oh, the AFC. So I, I think they are very live. I'm not saying they're going to win. I guess I did say they were going to win. So maybe I am saying they're going to win, but they're very at least in the conversation there. Um, this is a, I think a much more wide open division than people are giving it credit for right now. There are, there are very easy darkest timelines that you can get down for both Tennessee and, and Indianapolis. Oh yeah. And, and I mean, you know, most of the time you're talking about a, a quarterback injury, of course, but just the, you know, an offensive line injury and, you know, AJ Brown, not, you know, dealing with what should be double teams almost every snap yeah. <laughs> given, given the way this is set up and the pass rush not coming through and, you know, Caleb Farley. I mean, I don't know. It's not that hard to get there with this team. And of course, Indianapolis is is banking almost entirely on, as we said, Carson Palmer operating behind you know Sam Tebby is his, and Eric Fisher's his protection up there. It, it's not that crazy. I wouldn't want to back either the Colts or the Titans. I don't. I just want to point out that you said Carson Palmer, and that is Carson Palmer. Oh. You said Carson Palmer, which I'm not sure if it's a compliment or an insult to Carson Wentz, but I feel it's like an it insult to Carson. One or the other. It's That's an, fair. Yeah, I'm sorry, Carson Palmer. I love you, Carson Palmer. <laughs> um, for Tennessee, I had kicker. Oh, these are two. They, they have uh, Tucker McCann, who is, did not kick at all in 2020, and then Blake Hobiel, who is a who is the Ohio State kicker. I want to say last year, um, they uh, Tucker McCann hit seven, right. <laughs> 72% of his kicks at Missouri, mm. um, which is a little scary for an NFL kicker. I 
You know, this is a team that granted <laughs> real scary. They got by with very inconsistent kicking last year from Steven Goskowski, but I was shocked they did not have someone else uh, with at least some NFL experience heading into camp. So we'll see. Maybe they'll add somebody. Certainly still some time there, but I think that was something that concerned me as a team that might be in a bunch of close games this year. I'm um, I'm, I'm just kind of I'm just kind of worried about this team. Yeah, but oh. they might be fine. Yeah, I mean they've been nine and seven at least every single year that Mike Vrabel's been there. They're also uh, they're turning over their coaching staff too. You know, new yeah. offensive coordinator with Arthur Smith gone. I think Shane Bowen is new DC. Was he there last year? Am I? Uh, I believe he was. Maybe he was there last year. I don't remember. I'm trying to think. Was he on board last year? I'm I'll looking it up. No, he was. No, he was the outside linebackers coach last yeah, year. Yeah. So I mean, like you're doing, and you know, there's continuity there because all these guys were have been with Vrabel and know him. And I think Vrabel's an underrated head coach, but there's just some gaping holes here. The, the again, the wide receiver thing is is concerning, and certainly on defense remains to be seen if they can take a step forward after a very disappointing last year. Yeah, I remember Todd Downing, who was the OC there now, was OC in a disastrous season. For the Raiders in 2017, oh, right? With uh, um, yeah, let's actually move on to the AFC West. Uh, let's talk with Denver. I mean, is it just simple enough to say quarterback is their biggest weakness? Yeah, I I think so. You know, their skill position guys are fantastic. I mean, just really, I, I, you love this skill position group between Court and Sutton, Jerry Judy, Noah Fant, KJ Hamler's there. Deshaun Hamilton is a you know. A, Splashed at times. They added a couple bodies in the draft, and then Javante Williams, who they traded up to get in the second round, leapfrogging a Miami team that was clearly going to draft him. I, he's a stud, man, and that doesn't even mention Melvin Gordon. So, mm-hmm. you, I mean, if you drop Aaron Rodgers into this offense, it's immediately a top ten offense. And I, I mean, I just, I even, you know, I mean, you'd have to cater your scheme to him a little bit and and change some things up, but. You know, Pat Shermer hadn't been a terrible OC, been a bad head coach, but not a terrible OC. I I, I like the Broncos roster. It different yeah. if you took if you took the Broncos even without Aaron Rodgers and tossed him in the AFC South, I'm picking them to win every mm-hmm. nine times out of ten. I think that's fair. I, I think quarterback was the spot for me. I know uh, right tackle. They did lose to one James. Looks like Dalton Rister might be moving to right tackle. I'm not sure yet, but um that's suddenly a hole for them. Yeah. But uh, I mean, uh, deep on offense, I think deep on defense, too. I think a a top 10 roster, uh, if it weren't for the fact that they have major questions at quarterback with Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. But um, yeah, I absolutely agree. Uh, Kansas City, um, of course, they have invested quite a bit in their offensive line, if you haven't heard. I look at quarterback here as the biggest weakness. I agree with you. I wrote down cornerback as well. And that's just sort of a thing. They've kind of approached it that way. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, they have some, I mean, some real talent safety between Tyron, Tyron Matthew and Daniel Sorensen, Juan Thornhill. They've got a pass rush is a little bit of a concern for me too. I know you have, you know, Frank Clark there. And of course, Chris Jones provides interior pressure. So it's not quite as big a deal that they have, you know, another elite edge rusher. Taco mm-hmm. Charlton has the pedigree and a fantastic fun name, but hadn't really sure. as much. So there's there's plenty of talent in that defensive line. I don't I don't worry about it too much, but if you know Frank Clark isn't really effective rushing off the edge, I, th- I think you can have questions about pass rush. But you know nobody nobody has any questions about the offense, right? I mean, I mean the offensive line is completely reworked and looks awesome at this point. Mm-hmm. Obviously, wide receiver and, t- and tight end are, are not a problem. So I think those would be the two spots I'd look. And but I agree, cornerback probably the most glaring. Yeah, I mean they might just outscore everyone. And cornerback might not matter. Uh, it might be what the situation for the what their, for, their formula for winning bill seems to be kind of like the 06 Colts, where you know you're gonna you're gonna play great, you're gonna have a great offense for you know almost guaranteed barring you know major injuries, and then you kind of hope that your defense gets hot at the right time. And similar yeah. to how they won the title two years ago. Yeah, maybe your defense allows some points, but they might steal a takeaway or two a game, and yeah. that might be enough for them to win. Uh, Las Vegas Raiders um, did add a bunch on defense this year, but any spot you felt like they did not hit hard enough? I mean, I, I hate, I just wrote the defense question mark. I mean, they, they got better. That's not that. unfair. Right. I mean, where, what's good on their defense? I, I, the thing about the Raiders to me that stood out more than anything, and we have some with somebody the other day. I, I don't remember who it is. Maybe it was a post draft discussion, but you know, Mike Mayock was the only one doing the post draft interviews with the media, which is to, to me, 
is John Gruden's shuffling of uh, execution chairs. That makes sense. It's interesting. A fair way to put it, I suppose. I mean, we don't know how much of this is Mayock, how much is Gruden Mayock, or Gruden certainly has some significant control about the roster here. Uh, and some of the questionable decisions they were making were in place before Mayock was uh, in charge there. But, True. Um, you know, it, it's tough for me to say, like, linebacker. They did not get good linebacker play last year from Nick Kwiatkowski and Corey Littleton, but those guys are locked in. They're getting paid big money. So it's hard for me to call that a whole necessarily. I thought safety... They did. They did draft Javon Morrig in the second round. Um, they brought back Carl Joseph, a guy who they got rid of last year. Um, so I don't know how that really works, but uh, I felt like. <laughs> Wait, you know, do they have? Do they have? How I'm trying to remember what you. I can't remember what year Carl Joseph was drafted, but it was recent. He he was a McKenzie first rounder in 2016. That's right. That's right. Okay, so but they that means they've drafted a safety with a first or second round pick three times in the last five years. I mean, yes, that's a lot not of. I do. No, it's not ideal. I mean, you have Jonathan Abram as a first round pick and now Trayvon Morig, who's a va- and to be right, fair, Trayvon Morig was, a, was a, a two. He was a high a two. second. Yeah, that's me. A first or second round pick. To be fair to the Raiders, everyone bashed the Alex Leatherwood pick. But as Ryan Wilson pointed out on our podcast, if you flipped Leatherwood and, and Morig and they sure. took Morig in the first round and Leatherwood in the second, nobody complains. That's true. But, that's fair. You know, that's it's just uh, weird. It's, just yeah, a, it is just a weird process for the Raiders. But I think safety is the biggest concern there. Uh, the Chargers, a team always near and dear to our hearts, Will. What do you feel like they're missing? Cannot believe I'm getting back on the Chargers bandwagon. <laughs> you can never leave the Chargers bandwagon. It's, it's just depressing because I, you know, I'm out of here. We're getting divorced. See you later. And then just a year later, come crawling back. Wow. You, of course. And you got in shape. You look fantastic. How are you? <laughs> you know, the, the, the interesting thing about the Chargers the last two years, Bill, is at least I think it's interesting that going into the draft, Tom Telesco has left us a massive pile of breadcrumbs as to what his plan was in the first round. Two years ago, he had it was Tyrod Taylor, Easton Stick, and somebody else on the roster after releasing after moving on for Philip Rivers. And mm-hmm. well, maybe they're just trying to trick us into believing that they want a quarterback. Mm-hmm. But they took a quarterback. And then this year it was Trey Pipkins at left tackle. Mm. Yeah, it's like, right, they're not tricking us anymore. He's just going to take one of these tackles. And Rashawn Slater dropped into their lap. So I, I've been very impressed with how they've redone this offensive line, mm-hmm. considering how, okay. how bad things looked in the immediate uh, initial portion of the offseason. And so mm-hmm. that was very impressive. I, don't, I, don't, I can't find really any holes, maybe on the interior of the offensive line, if you want to poke it there. It's really it's a it's a pretty good roster. The one thing that I thought kind of concerned me, and maybe I'm cr- and it's a little weird because they have Joey Bosa, but the pass rush is a bit of a concern. It, That's you know, where I was going to go. Yeah, I mean, Bosa is one of the five best pass rushers in football when he's perfectly healthy, but he, he's missed plenty of games, and if he's not out there, you really don't have a ton of. Anything off the edge? It's kind of yeah. disturbing. Yeah, it's Nwosu, it's Kyler Fackrell. I mean, this is a team that is crying out for Melvin Ingram to return. Right. Uh, still a free agent out there. Not sure what his market has been. He's been pretty quiet. Um, but I think that reunion would make total sense if they can get the price tags to work. Um, you know, maybe on a one-year deal would certainly benefit both it, sides. It's possible he's one of the guys that doesn't sign right away for comp pick purposes too. I would guess. Yes. Yeah, that's also fair. Um, but with the Chargers, he can come back and wouldn't matter. So that's the one. Maybe sure. he's waiting for another team to develop, and if he doesn't get the, an offer he likes, he'll stay with the Chargers. Maybe he just hates the Chargers and is done with the organization maybe, one way or another. Maybe he, uh, maybe he didn't want to go to OTAs. Yeah, I don't blame him. I don't want to go to OTAs. <laughs> no, absolutely. I don't know I, yeah, I mean, I, if, if you're wealthy and don't need the money and you're going to sign for the same amount in June as you would in May – Wait till June. Hang out at home. Yeah. Play with kids. Play golf. <laughs> yeah. Go play PS5. I would assume Melvin Ingram has a PS5. I don't see why he wouldn't have a PS5. Melvin, go play your PS5, hang out, and then sign with the Chargers. And then uh, <laughs> he'll step on uh, Derwin James's foot, and then Derwin James will miss the entire season. Awful. And then we'll all be sad about the Chargers having gotten back on the Los Angeles Chargers bandwagon. A team that, on the other hand, has a very successful and thriving bandwagon, the Buffalo Bills, where I feel like they are one of the deepest teams in football. Is this, this might be the best roster in football? I, I mean, I it's it's 
you can't not, you can't rule it out. Like like, like I, you could maybe pick another team, but they're certainly in that discussion, top to bottom. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is better than Josh Allen, and the weapons the Chiefs have on offense are much better than the guys that the Bills have in, in totality. But when you start to if you factor in the defense mm-hmm. and depth at every position and you know the floor of every position, mm-hmm. I'm not sure there's a better one than the. There, there, I couldn't find really any weak spots for, for Buffalo when I was poking at this roster. In fact, I ultimately just threw down three question marks because I, <laughs> I mean, what's the maybe pass rush. And the, and the one thing that killed them last year was that they they had a, a undersized defensive front, you mm-hmm. know, Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison. I mean, the, you know, those can't be your top two guys. They're star Lotelele, Vernon Butler, Ed Oliver on the interior, Harrison Phillips, the 2018 third rounder. In the last three, two years, they've added A.J. Epinesa in the second round, Gregory Rousseau in the first round, mm-hmm. and Carlos Basham in the, in the second round. Basham and Rousseau are mammoth human beings. Yeah. Like, they are big dudes. And I really feel like that um, A.J. Klein uh, – A.J. Klein, I clicked on the wrong guy. Um, I was going to check. Yeah, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know why I did that. All, all uh, A.J.'s are the same to me. Right, but he's a big dude, too. So they've added size at edge. And if one or two of those guys pop, they, they could really have a, a stout defense. And I like that they're gearing up for life after Jerry Hughes, which has to end at some point. And, you know, and once they stop bringing on Carolina Panther defensive rejects. So, but I mean, as a whole, I don't see a ton of flaws in this team. Jerry Hughes is, was he on the 2006 Colts? <laughs> he may have been on the 2006. So he, he, he was drafted in 2010. So he was. Part part of that part of that era, but not quite on the 2016. Um, yeah, I mean they're going to beat you with depth. I think you know the Jerry Hughes is not the individual superstar. Um, I think he slipped a little bit from his peak a couple of years ago, but still, this sure. is a team that you know they can roll out eight or nine talented defensive linemen, especially now that they get Lota Lele back from his opt out in 2020. The one position I said I'm at least a little concerned about something they've brought up is a thing they might want to hit is tight end where. Dawson Knox, inconsistent, dropped a bunch of passes, um, you know, not hasn't really been that sort of, you know, guy who can win one on one all that often. You know, really can, just a red zone threat. Yeah, he can get schemed open here and there and he's a totally fine red zone threat. But uh, they lose Lee Smith, who is their blocking tight end. They cut Tyler Croft, I believe. Uh, they have Tommy Sweeney and they have Jacob Hollister, who they signed from the Seahawks. But I wonder if this is a I talked about this a little bit with other people. I wonder if this is a spot for Zach Ertz, if Zach Ertz gets cut or traded by the Eagles. Ooh, I like that fit. You could also, if you wanted to, and, and this goes back to Zach Ertz, but you know, you can nitpick the pass catchers a, a little bit. I mean, Stefan Diggs is a, an alpha and a, and a superstar. Cole Beasley's awesome at what Cole Beasley does and is underrated, even given how, how well he plays. Uh, and then Gabe Davis has been a great burner, but, you know, if something and they added Emmanuel Sanders, but if something were to happen to Stefan Diggs, this depth, this this group of pass catchers suddenly becomes a lot less explosive and dynamic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, I, pick. I don't think it's a I don't think it's a, a weak spot. I think it's probably a strength. Right. But. It's it's like Tennessee where it becomes like, correct. Oh, God, who's going to get open? This is like that Browns Jets game where the Browns had all the receivers out for COVID and there was uh, nobody <laughs> for Baker Mayfield to throw to. Right. Um, this does seem like it's not quite as uh, intense of a situation if they did lose to one day. But I do think tight end would be a position that they might address if guys come available. Um, the Dolphins, you know, major turnover again for the third consecutive year. Obviously a talented team did not make a change at quarterback beyond adding Jacoby Brissett, which is a move I really liked as the backup to Tua Tango Vailoa. Um, certainly addressed the offense in the draft, added some pieces on defense as well. But Will, is there a position you think they need to maybe look at in the months to come? You know, we hate to do this because they're so fungible, but running back is certainly a problem for the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, Miles Gaskin is a nice player, fun player, not not necessarily a feature back. And then Malcolm Brown is kind of a plotter and, and can do some work around the goal line. But overall, I mean, they just don't have a ton of depth or talent at, at running back. And I understand it's 2021 and running backs are not that important, but you know, just because you can swap running backs in and out and they're replaceable doesn't mean that you still have to go get one in the second or third round to make, you know, to make them replaceable. And I can't imagine they feel that great about where they are in that, in that spot. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to have Tua out there and you want to sort of simplify life for, for him as a quarterback and you went and got him the weapons and Waddle and Will Fuller will be back after suspension, Devontae Parker underrated, but you know, you want to have 
a little bit of balance, I think, in terms of being able to run the football. And I'm not sure that this team has that. Yeah, I mean, you'd like to think, okay, they can just plug somebody in, whether it's Patrick Laird or Salvan Ahmed, or uh, they drafted Jared Dokes, Jared Dokes in the Jared seventh Dokes. round. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't, I don't. He, look, seventh round out of Cincinnati. I'm not, I'm not going to claim I'm no. that for the draft bill. No, uh, maybe okay. We just find the guy and we plug him in, and it works. Maybe that'll happen. That's not out of the question. But um, there's always running backs available, and I think that's the the tough part is that. You know, this is a position they could address pretty easily. Maybe they will uh, as we get towards cut down. Um, guys are going to come free and, you know, they can plug and play a running back maybe. But um, I agree. I thought maybe off ball linebacker could be in play as well, given, you know, Brian Flores does like his linebackers to do a lot. But I do think running back is the biggest weakness. And, and, and by the way, I mean, like by all accounts, and they took Javon Holland with their 36th overall pick, which they got from Houston, the safety at Oregon, mm-hmm. by all accounts, it was almost transmitted across the league that Miami was taking Javante Williams at 36. Yes. And if, and if, if they go with him there, you feel a lot better about the offense. And I, I get it. You don't want to reach for a running back or just grab one just because the guy in front of you got missed. But I, I think it's at least a concerning, you know, if they can't run the football, it's going to make life tough for Tua. And regardless of how many wide receivers you draft. Yeah. And I think their hope is that, you know, if we improve the offensive line, the running game will follow. Maybe it will. Sure. Maybe it won't. I think we certainly have to say, um, but I could certainly see them making another move at running back before the end of the offseason. Patriots, they made moves pretty much everywhere, spent a ton of money. They got Mac Jones, traded up for Christian Barmore, um, gave a back to the old Patriots, at least in terms of the roster depth, a much deeper roster than the one we saw in 2020. But is there something you feel like they don't have right now? Yeah, they're weird because of how they operate with pass rush you know it's not a traditional you're not gonna see bill belichick roll out a you know typically roll out just a four three and have you know two guys off the edge sprinting uphill so i don't really worry quite as much about their defensive line especially adding barmore who i think they'll get the most out of i don't think belichick trades up for him if nick saban doesn't say yeah this is you know this guy was in my doghouse but he figured it out he turned it around they you know they bring back kyle van noy the the high tower mccordy coming back with all you know the opt-outs should help out that defense which looks like on on whole the type of defense that Bill Belichick can turn into a top half of the league, top 10 unit, uh, top five unit in terms of points allowed, regardless of how many yards it gives up, just they'll play well in the red zone. Mm-hmm. I, I just think wide receiver is still a problem. I mean, you get Kendrick Bourne and Nelson Aguilar, and that's great. And you did address the position, but it's still Jacoby Myers and Keel Harry, Aguilar and Bourne. And I don't, even with the two pass catchers at tight end in Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry, which I think is exciting. I just don't know that you see enough at wide receiver to believe that they're suddenly going to just challenge, challenge people vertically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I do think that's totally fair and they're going to be better there than they were a year ago, but there isn't that primary guy. Maybe this is, you know, this is, this is simultaneously the best group of wide receivers Cam Newton's ever had. And the worst group of wide receivers yes. Max Jones has ever had. Yes. Like, that Mac Jones is used to having, you know, top 10 picks up and down his receiving core. Now he has guys who are fine. Like no Snaglor has some upside. He was solid last year. He's had a bunch of drops, but otherwise a good year. Kendrick Bourne's fine. You know, Jacoby Myers was pretty effective as a slot guy. Um, maybe they get something out of him. Kill Harry. You know, I, I, I don't think they are counting on it, but maybe they do. But it, it just seems like that is a, a milk toast group of receivers it's not super exciting um but you know i I think for them it's going to be about depth they're going to trust mac jones to find the open guy maybe he will maybe he won't um you said mac jones yeah i mean i think it's mac i you know just just how much they invest they invested the first time picking mac jones the cam deal is pretty small all things considered i think it might not be mac at the start of the year but it kind of feels like a situation where cam gets hurt in a game Mac Jones takes over and then Mac Jones doesn't give the job back. Mm. This sounds like, um, gosh, who was the other guy that played for the Patriots? Uh, it started, it was like drafted late in, in 2000. And I uh, oh, can't remember his name off the top of my head. Tom something. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, Brady, Tom Brady. That's right. Yeah, he took the job and never looked back. I don't know if that joke landed or not, but that was a Tom Brady. <laughs> oh, it did. I, I, for a second, I was actually confused. But then You're I like, who's he talking about? Yeah, what is uh, I mean, it, it could be. And look, Cam, I was talking with Josh Norris on my podcast at, mm-hmm. leading up to the draft and right, no, right after the draft, excuse me. And Josh was saying how 
Josh has you know, studied the Panthers for very close to the Panthers. You know, and, and he's right. Like you watch Cam Newton and it's just not the same. It's not, it's not what it was. There's whether it's just physical deterioration or, you know, the, maybe it was the COVID year. I, you'd like to believe it was that too, but I think, I think you're right. I think there's a pretty good chance Mac Jones is starting for the Patriots by week four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think that's totally fair. New York jets um, certainly added a bunch to help out Zach Wilson, their new quarterback, but do you think they did enough? Do you think there is a position that they need to address for the jets? Oh, cornerback is the very clear and obvious. I, yeah, I agree. Yeah. I mean, it's almost, almost it one, it's almost to a fault, like, and sort of kind of a, a bit, uh, but then two, if they are the team that's going to land Richard Sherman as one of those Melvin Ingram post comp pick deals. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in theory, Sherman played for Robert Sala for years and, and loves the guy. If you added Richard Sherman and then you had Bryce Hall there, you could at least talk me into it being, you know, a, a, a viable unit if everybody stays healthy and the pass rush can, you know, can be and Carl Austin can improve the pass rush that much. And Quinn Williams is back healthy. So, and by the way, Michael Carter on both sides of the ball. How fun is that? 32 and 30 should be, should be a blast for them. Um, I don't like that at all. I no. just want to put that out there. I hate it. Now, now when there was going to be Josh Allen on both sides of the ball for the bills, I was into that because they were first round picks and I would keep them separate. Having two Michael Carters who were like mid round picks kind of obscure. I don't. And like one went to UNC and one went to Duke. <laughs> what are we doing? Feels like a gag. Like what what is this? this They they gotta fight the first day of training camp, and then the winner has to the loser has to change his name. That's right. Marvin Carter. Marvin Carter. You lost your name is now Marvin Carter. You lost in a fist fight and you are Marvin Carter. Uh, You know, I I like the Michael Carter running back pick in the fourth round. I think with P. Ryan and Coleman and Carter, you know, presumably Michael Floor is gonna run the Kyle Shanahan system. So you don't need a you know heavy investment in a running back and there are other spots you can pick, but cornerback just looks like the very clear and obvious hole here. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Maybe they'll develop somebody. Uh, certainly, I think Robert Sala did a good job of, you know, getting the most out of the corners he had for most of his time in San Francisco. Uh, but I think definitely still a work in progress there for the New York Jets. Having Marcus May back will help. Um, good group of safeties, I think, there. But overall, um, definitely the question mark on that roster. Let's finish up here in the AFC North. Ravens, of course, did a bunch to help out Lamar Jackson. They went out and signed Sammy Watkins and used a first-round pick on Rashad Bateman, got Talon Wallace in the fourth round. Um, not really questions about wide receiver there, but something else you feel like they are not operating at full strength with? Yeah, I mean, if you want to if you want to say wide receiver, that would be fine. I just think mm-hmm. they like their guys and they've drafted their guys and they're okay with them. And they had another first-round pick there. I sort of looked at safety and edge rusher. As the yeah, I think edge was the one for me too. Yeah, and I, I was kind of going back and forth on there. They've got the guys, I, I, I suppose, if if you believe that they can develop, you know, Jalen Ferguson. Um, I, I don't know. It just doesn't edge doesn't pop for me, and I don't feel like their edge rusher edge rushing was that. I guess they had Judon before. Yeah, it, it just doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't, I know that sounds dumb, but it just doesn't pop. If mm-hmm. if all the old dudes, like if Wolf and, and Williams and Campbell are, are playing 100% of the snaps, then that's going to be a – not 100% of the snaps, but they play you know 16 games and rotate it and however they end up rotating in. That's going to be a problem and allow guys to get open and, and probably improve uh, pass rushing ability from lesser-known names. But mm-hmm. I don't think you look at this and think this is a team that's suddenly going to have you know multiple double-digit sack guys. Yeah, I mean, I think they are a sort of team where they're going to develop pressure from their blitzes you know i don't think they necessarily have that guy who's going to win one-on-one and just you know create 10 sacks just by being a beast i think they're going to think okay we're going to create pressure with having a great secondary and then with our blitz packages and you know they have developed guys like Jude on the past you know maybe that guy is on this roster um but certainly i feel like it is a you know a clear weak point on is it Pernell McPhee one of those? Isn't Pernell McPhee like well, the, the, the Matthew Judon before he's Matthew Judon? He was Matthew Judon before Matthew Judon, and then now he's Matthew Judon again. Matthew Judon right. Yeah, they replaced Matthew Judon. They replaced Pernell McPhee with Matthew Judon, and now they're replacing Matthew Judon with Pernell McPhee. It's quite a yes. It's awful circle in some ways in Baltimore. And, and, and look, Don Martindale will will generate pressure via a variety of blitz packages. So mm-hmm. it's not, it's not like this team again, like Belichick, and, and you know, it's not like they have to be just be loaded to to the gills with pass rushers. They'll figure out a way to generate it and manufacture it. That's fair. Um, Cincinnati Bengals, a team that of course 
went out and got Jamar Chase. Major questions, or at least major debate about whether they should have taken a tackle in the first round as opposed to Jamar Chase. Of course, Panay Sewell was on the board. But overall, I mean, do you think that they have a spot they need to hit uh, over the next few weeks? Well, I don't know if they're going to hit it over the next few weeks, but I, I do I do think that offensive line should be a concern for the move. Mm-hmm. Now, having said that, I, I said they should take Jamar Chase. I had them taking Jamar Chase because you, they were going to have to kick Panay Sewell inside or Riley Reef inside, and that's you know, a whole different you know, he signed, he signed a veteran like that for it. Anyway, the, the, the machinations of it were such a, I thought it made sense to get a second rounder who can play inside and then maybe move to tackle depending on what, what reef does. But I still mm-hmm. think just because of the, it's sort of a narrative pick. I think the offensive line could be a little bit better than people expect, but, mm-hmm. but because they went chase over Sewell, if, if Sewell looks good in Detroit and Joe Burrow is getting, you know, blitz creaked into the ground it is going to be a major talking point for this team and, and for Zach Taylor's future as the head coach. If, if, if it looks like Burrow could suffer, sustain injuries, more injuries because of his offensive line. I think that's fair. And I do think that having Jamar Chase is going to help because now Joe Burrow has a guy where he knows, Hey, if I have pressure on me and I need to get rid of the ball quick, I have a guy who can win one-on-one yep. might have more than one guy. T Higgins might also be that guy as well, but you know, I feel like he's very comfortable throwing up 50, 50 balls to Jamar Chase if he has to. So I think that's going to help out a little bit in terms of the pressure. Um, I thought linebacker was the sure. issue for me. I thought that, you know, adding reef helps. I think there are a little better along the offensive line that people are giving them credit for. Um, but I thought linebacker just a position that they've been getting destroyed at for years. I mean, the Lamar Jackson play a couple of years ago was the perfect example of, you know, this is a team that just in the middle of the field really struggles with tackling really struggles with, uh, you know, ke- keeping up in coverage. And I think teams are going to be able to exploit that here in 2021, but the offense might be really good too. Um, two teams left here, Cleveland Browns. Uh, again, one of the better teams in football in terms of the roster. I think a lot to like here, but Will, is there a spot you don't like at the moment? Uh, for, the, for the Browns, I ended up going with linebacker, I believe. And I agree with you. This is, a, this is one of the better rosters. How do we get here where the Bills and the Browns have two of the better rosters in professional football? It's quite a world. What a time to be alive. It really is. You know, offensive line is the offensive line is very good. They are wide receiver. I have, I have some questions about just because I'm not sure you want, like, do we trust Odell Beckham to come back and be healthy? It feels like mm-hmm. pretty much everyone has sold, sold all the stock on Odell Beckham. Talk about a great buy low opportunity with him. And then Jarvis Landry, I don't know is a tr- like a true number one. If you, if you have your chips down mm-hmm. in the postseason. and defensively uh, added a lot of talent, in the secondary, both, you know, whether it's through free agency with John Johnson or the draft with Greg Newsom, mm-hmm. and they pretty good up front. Add Clowney and Miles Garrett. It's hard to find a hole right there. So I, I guess I will go linebacker. Yeah, I thought maybe defensive tackle depth just yeah. because they swap out Larry Ogunjobi and uh, Sheldon Richardson for Malik Jackson. They get Andrew Billings back from an opt-out. A couple of mid-round picks there. They signed Malik McDowell, the former Seahawks second rounder who never played for them. Um, but I do think that they they've talked about maybe bringing Richardson back at a smaller deal. And I think they could add one more veteran. Um, you know, I think with Clowney, it might be on the edge because with Clowney, you know, he's fun to kick inside on passing downs. So maybe they add another edge rusher besides Tack McKinley and try and get Clowney as a interior rusher uh, on third downs. But I think they maybe one more defensive line piece would be the one thing I would want if I were the Cleveland Browns and last team here. Pittsburgh Steelers, major changes up and down the organization. What do you feel like they're missing right now? I mean, clearly the offensive line is just. I, I was trying to build up some suspense, but yes. Yeah, I mean, it's it's probably better than we're giving it credit for, but they've lost. I mean, this is a vastly one of the things too, Bill, about last year. And I, I said this over and over and over again, and it ended up being true. And so I'm I'm going to run with it run it back a, to a smaller, a smaller degree, a lesser degree in 2021 is that continuity matters. First of all, it matters in the NFL all the time, of course, but in shortened off seasons and under the new CBA continuity on the offensive line is kind of paramount. And the Steelers have had that for years and years and years. And now they have none of that. It feels like, so I am very worried about a aging declining Ben Roethlisberger behind an offensive line that they just didn't feel like they needed to upgrade. So, yeah. You know, 
I think that's the concern, right? Is if this were Russell Wilson, they'd be like, okay, well, he's just going to run his way out of trouble. Right. Ben Roethlisberger is, might be a literal statue at this point. That's, yeah. That's the part that concerns me. And the guy me. behind him is Mason Rudolph. Who's, I mean, Yeah. And I mean, like, you know, I, a couple of years ago, they had Mike Munchak as their offensive line coach. They did a great job of developing offensive linemen. That's not the case anymore. And, and I think there's major questions about, hey, can you know Chuck Sikora for it be an NFL caliber left tackle? Um, they drafted Dan Moore in the fourth round, brought in Joe Haig from the Bucks. I mean, you know, th- those guys, again, might be good depth, but the idea that we're going to have, you know, uh, a very questionable left side of the line week one for Ben Roethlisberger scares me. And, and, team- and, and they're doing it with the presumptive approach that Najee Harris is going to be a bell cow back who is kind of the feature of their offense while also utilizing a, you know, employing a new offensive coordinator in Matt Canada. So yeah. There's a lot of, you know, for Juju and Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson are back, and that is a really good, you know, uh, wide receiver core. But you know, Eric Ebron's back, too. They added Pat Fryermuth. But, I mean, there's a – there is it, it, what's very bizarre, Bill, is that there's so much change on this offense in this – what we assume is the final year of Ben Roethlisberger's playing career. And mm-hmm. so, I, I know you don't – I mean, they, they were pretty good last year. I don't know, it's weird to blow it all up and say, let's make one more run with this new, these new this bad new offensive line and new offensive coordinator. And, and let's go running back heavy. It does seem strange to me, but Hey, the Steelers have earned the benefit of the doubt in some ways. Yes. We will see. Maybe their offense will totally implode. Not like that's happened in the past few months or so. Um, well, we are out of time, but will you are a man who podcasts quite frequently where can people check out that podcast and everything you do. People can check out the Pick 6 podcast on Apple Pods, Spotify, uh, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever else you get your pods, um, on Twitter, at Will Brinson and Bill. I cannot say how proud enough I am of us for completing the entire AFC in the ex- almost exactly the allotted time. Very nice. We are very good at this. I think it's what it boils down to. We're just really good podcasters. Expert not, podcasters. That's not true. You are an excellent podcaster. Okay. I am just along for the ride. But Mr. Okay. Brinson, it's a pleasure. Always fun, man. All right. Thanks so much, as always, to my friend, Will Brinson of CBS, one of the best people uh, I love having on the show, certainly. Um, a much requested guest and excellent, excellent podcast. Check out the Pick 6 podcast, of course, on CBS. We have more audio coming next week. We recap the AFC and the NFC. We will have more football on the way. I'm not sure exactly what we're going to discuss, but I promise we'll be back next week. So thanks so much for listening.